Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Getting a vaccine. Anheuser-Busch announced that beer is on them on July the 4th. That's right. Get a shot and have a beer. Dr. Fauci. That the Chinese deliberately engineered something so that they could kill themselves. I think that's a bit far out. I don't think he seems to be aware of the way it works in a communist government. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Maryland and Charlotte play at uh, 6 o'clock tonight. So hotels in Greenville are booked and overbooked. In fact, I had heard this morning that uh, Christy Nome's entourage is looking for a place to stay. You might host them there. Yeah, uh, we got a couple of extra rooms, don't we, Jake? (laughs) (laughs) And we've got a full hour for you tonight to kick things off. We've got North Carolina House Speaker Tim Moore. Tim, welcome in. I'm good to be with you guys. Good to be, uh, good to have you, uh, Mr. Speaker. It is, uh, this is a big deal for Greenville. I mean, the regional is a big deal, but to host the state convention and to host the president, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this will be his fourth trip to Greenville. I've lost count of how many times he's been to the state, but uh, North Carolina is really on the front page of national politics. In fact, I was watching Fox News early this morning. Their promo for Fox News Sunday, not that I'm a Chris Wallace fan, but their promo was uh, about the North Carolina State Convention and Donald Trump. Well, you know, President Trump was consistently committed to North Carolina uh, while he was president, uh, paid special attention to our state. And of course, our state came through for him uh, this last election in a very strong way in 16 as well as in 20. And I think it's very appropriate that he's here in Eastern North Carolina, which also went very strong for the president. Of course, uh, Congressman Murphy represents this area in Congress and does an amazing job for all of this part of the state. So uh, uh, it's very appropriate that we're in Greenville and that the president's here to speak with us. Well, we are honored and uh, we're, we're happy that you're here. How many years have you been speaker now? Uh, this is my fourth term. So I'm in my seventh year wow. at, as speaker. I, when you were before, Pre-speaker, just before you became speaker, you were down to Greenville. We had you on the program. It seems like it was like two weeks ago. I, that has it, gone you fast. Know, time flies. I had I had a, a lot less gray hair then. I'll say that too. So, uh, it, it, I think I think being speaker ages you like dog ears or something. You know, like maybe seven for every one at this point. It's got to be a little frustrating for you. We've got the House, we've got the Senate, and yet we've got a governor in there that seems to want to veto about everything that comes across that is not Democrat-backed, and uh, it's, it's got to be somewhat frustrating. But you are getting some things done, and you we were talking before we went on the air that you've actually gotten some things done this spring that look like they might be veto-proof. So we did. We, we passed a, a very strong bill yesterday to get North Carolina back to work. It would stop the federal unemployment that right now is a huge disincentive to, to folks going back to work. You can, not only in Greenville, but, but everywhere, you can ride around and you can see help wanted signs everywhere you turn. We were talking just before we went on the air to, to host tomorrow night's event with the president. They needed 200 waiters. Two weeks ago, they had 15, and I know the um, woman who is overseeing the whole event was literally saying she was on her knees praying for help. That's how, that's how short we are on on help. Now, th- this bill, the uh, putting North Carolina back to work act, 
primarily what this is going to do is uh, tell the governor to tell the federal government, quit, quit sending these uh, monies down here that are keeping our people at home instead of in the workplace. It does. It, it, it stops it. It gives, it gives that incentive for folks to go back to work. Uh, 25 other states have done this already. So it does that. One of the concerns that was raised by a number of members had to do with, with those folks who could not find childcare. You know, like if, if a single mom there, what, what's she going to do to find childcare? Uh, so we put in $250 million to fully fund the, the wait list for childcare for the next three years. Wow. So that excuse is gone. Uh, the, the other things the bill did was that it would uh, treat the paycheck protection loan uh, loans that were done similar to the federal tax law, which would mean that you know, businesses get those tax free. Unfortunately, right now, North Carolina is still taxing that and taxing those deductions. Now, the House passed that part. We of the have. Bill. This is the right. se- this is the second time that we passed it. So maybe the maybe the second time's a charm. I'm not sure, but we we hope so. And it passed overwhelmingly. Is, is that going to be veto-proof? Uh, yes. Okay. So it passed by enough numbers uh, in the House that unless people flip-flop, we will have more than enough to override a veto. We have a margin of like seven votes, excuse me, six votes over what we would need to override a veto. That's huge. But, you know, based on the calls we get from listeners and just our interaction with them, I would say, and I'm not saying this is exclusive, but three big items that I think – conservatives in North Carolina concerned with one reigning in the powers of the governor, his emergency powers. It's, I mean, Keith Kidwell and I have talked about this numerous times in the program Two, election integrity and three, this social justice and critical race theory in our schools. You know, and we have, we have addressed all three of those issues in a very clear and a very strong way. Of course, we passed legislation to rein in the governor's powers. We were not able to get enough votes though, to override that, uh, but fortunately, things are at least moving moving forward now to getting the state reopened. Again, the challenge now is getting people to work. Right. Uh, the critical race theory issue, we do not need to allow a curriculum that basically teaches students that America is this bad, evil place, right? In a full, comprehensive understanding of the history of this nation, the history of this state, you want to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly. You want to talk about all of it. You want to be balanced. But this notion that that the the premise that's being taught to these school children is somehow that you know is this is this notion of everything being defined by race and racial strife and that everything that there's a racist motive behind everything it's absolutely ridiculous it's not historically accurate it's not correct and it's nothing but some far left demagoguery where they're trying to brainwash folks it's not right and then the third thing you talked about uh which had to do with the um uh, the, election integrity. The election integrity. We passed legislation in the House already. It's over in the Senate that would ban these collusive settlement agreements. Uh, remember what happened last year was we have great laws on the books in North Carolina, but they tried to use a thing, get a far left group, right? Democratic group to sue a Democratic Board of Elections represented by a Democratic Attorney General, a board appointed by a Democratic governor. Guess what happened, Tom? They were able to come to an agreement. Imagine that. Well, of course, <laughs> Phil Berger and I said, not so fast. We filed suit in federal court and were successful in getting a lot of that rolled back. But this law would make clear they could never, ever try to do some collusive settlement like that to, to, to go around and just try to find a way to upend a state law. That's not right. And that's unfair. And that's what undermines integrity in elections. 
you know, I again, I talk to people all the time and they look at the upcoming midterms as well as the next presidential election. And they say, we're, we're quite confident that Republicans will prevail if if we have honest, fair elections. Do you think that is enough, uh, you know, just preventing this collusion? I do. I do. Because right now, number one, one thing we do in North Carolina is we have we have paper ballots. A lot of the states where there were problems, they don't have paper ballots. Or they're destroyed since then. Exactly. <laughs> so 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 we have that. Uh, that that's a critical part. We also have the you know the protections put in place about requiring signatures, not allowing these just random drop boxes for the voting by mail. We have great protections in place. And if those are followed, Tom, we'll be fine. And I'm gonna tell you, at the end of the day, the voters are seeing what's happening with the far left. They're seeing what President Biden's doing. This this crazy, you know, people wondered, is he going to be kind of moderate? Is he going to be centrist? That question got answered really quickly. Uh, They have gone to the far left. I mean, you you would think Bernie Sanders was kind of like off the fringe. I think they're trying to. Well, he is, by the way. (laughs) But get this, they're trying to out Bernie Bernie, apparently. I mean, it's just like the United States of Vermont or something. When when Bernie Sanders is reining them in, you know how bad it's gotten. It it is. It is. And and so the voters are not going to stand for it. The voters of this state will not stand for it. And I will make a prediction right here on radio, recorded and everything. We're going to get back a supermajority in the House, a supermajority in the Senate. I think you'll see a statewide oh. sweep of your uh, of your judicial races as well, and we'll hold the U.S. Senate. And I think uh, the congressional races will go very well. So I, I think I think the far I think the left has gone way too far, and a lot of them, if you get them to honestly say something, will admit it. Well, the fact that you're starting to get on some of these bills veto-proof majorities means Democrats. I, I don't know if it's their conviction or if they're saying I want to get reelected. But either way, they're they're starting to come over on some of these issues. I mean, exactly. There, look, there are there are a lot of Democrats, some who would be even considered liberal, who are going, "This is crazy. We've got to do something. We've got to rein this in." And they're joining us and voting on some very common sense, practical legislation because you know they love their state more than they love their party, and uh, and we all should be that way. We should all want what's best for the state. Benny Hardy, Tom Lamprecht, and House Speaker Tim Moore. Benny? Speaker Moore, uh, one thing that a lot of my friends, and most of my friends are conservative and are voters, they talk about, uh, hey, we're not Eastern Europe, or we're going to have to have vaccine passports. You guys did something on that this week, I believe. We, we, dealt, we dealt with that head on. It was, it was actually last week, but we mm-hmm. passed legislation uh, to say we will not allow and require vaccine passports in this state. Uh, state government cannot require that, cannot mandate that. And to make it very, very clear that we're not going to stand for that. that I mean, something is so, here's what strikes me. You get folks in, in, on the left who talk about choice, choice of their body. And they're the same ones that want to tell you, you got to get a vaccine. <laughs> you. Are you Thank kidding? You. I mean, I got a vaccine. A lot of people got a vaccine. That's, but you know what? It was my choice to do right. so. Right. And that's the way it should always be. Right. If you want to wear a mask, if you want to get vaccine. Go for it, but Absolutely. but don't put a gun to my head and saying you have to. And and, and look, some people look better with the mask on. Just <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, the news observer is not talking about that a whole lot. Uh, so you guys don't get too much press up there. But uh, but anyway, that's I I think listeners and our voters will will really like that. But uh, speaker, thanks for stopping by. Hey, thanks, and to the and to the your listeners out there. Look, you're getting you're getting the truth here. You're getting all the facts. They're lucky they're able to pick you guys up on the radio. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. I'll send you a bill later, okay? I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. Mask wearing. Wear a mask. We must use masks. Wear a mask. Mask works. 
have you heard? If you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. We have all longed for this moment. And from this moment on, I think it's a great day. We'll continue to unmask. Let me repeat the stories of the day. If you are fully vaccinated, take it off. Welcome back in, everybody. Tom Lamprecht, Benny Hardy, Clark Willis. We're coming to you live from the North Carolina State Convention, the Republican Party Convention. And uh, we're joined right now by our state treasurer, Dale Falwell. Dale, welcome back in. It's the last time you were with us. We're in studio. We're at the convention, but uh, good to have you with us. It's always good to be in Greenville and uh, especially good today. We were able to bring some good news uh, to Greenville. We always talk about unfunded liabilities and things of that nature, but uh, we actually delivered some cash today. I saw that. 7,000, was it? To the city of Greenville, who had money just like many of your listeners have money at nccash.com. Now, obviously, you dig a little, did a little digging to find that uh, extra $7,000. Uh, where was it? I mean, it was uh, just unclaimed dollars that Greenville was owed it was cash from nationwide insurance staples and several other vendors who attempted to send a check to city of greenville over some period of time but they never got it and the reason we uh got greenville is that we just did a check presentation to the city of charlotte for thirteen thousand dollars wow and the county man city manager here saw what happened in charlotte and said we need to look and see if greenville has any money well, all those and, uh, Democrats down at the city council, what are they going to do when they see the Republican uh, treasurer coming in, handing out money? Well, you know, <laughs> at, at the treasurer's office, there's no Democrat and Republican money. It's all green. I bet there they'll find go. a way to spend it. You think? <laughs> <laughs> how, how is the uh, fiscal situation for North Carolina? I wear this lapel pen that says NC, which obviously stands for North Carolina, but it really stands for nothing compares. Uh, but speaker was on the show just a few moments ago, and it, it's something I wish somebody would have told me when I was younger, and that is if you do what you're supposed to do during the semester, the final exam's not so difficult. I wish I'd learned that at a younger age. And what's happened during the semester of the last 10 years in the General Assembly is they've been living within their budget, balancing budgets, building rainy day funds, building surpluses, uh, building unemployment trust funds, and to prepare us for something that no one could have foreseen, which is called COVID. So when I say nothing compares, I would not trade places with any other state treasurer in the United States. Wow. That's, uh, that's pretty, pretty positive, uh, rhetoric, but it's because of discipline and what's happened over the last 10 years with physical conservatism. But you've got a lot of pushback as you're trying to implement your policies. Well, my policies are somewhat sometimes different than, than the policies of general assembly. We have a responsibility at the treasurer's office on behalf of those that teach, protect, and serve to uh, not only keep the pension plan fully funded, one of the strongest in the country, if not the world, because nearly one out of 10 adult North Carolinians depend on this, those that teach, protect, and serve. Uh, but we're trying to rein in uh, runaway health care cost. Yeah. And uh, simply what we're trying to do is to get rid of secret contracts, tell people what the quality and the value of what they're getting, and push the power down to, the, down to them. How does it make you feel when you have busted your butt to make sure that we're solvent here in North Carolina. And you see what our president is doing um, with these trillions of dollars he is uh, deciding to give away. But uh, mixed in with all that are states receiving huge checks uh, to bail them out for their incompetence, uh, just the, the terrible way that they run their states. 
it's it's a deep concern to me. Uh, I attended Winston-Salem State and UNC Greensboro, and you know they taught me at those institutions that there's only three ways that debt goes away. Either you pay it back, you default on it, or it gets inflated away. You know, two of those three options aren't very good. I am obviously very concerned as the keeper of North Carolina's public purse about the, the federal spending and the ultimate impact it could have, especially on inflation, because uh, inflation hits different parts of our population differently, but it's inflation is very, very bad for lower and fixed income people right. of North Carolina. Right. They, they get hurt the worst. As you look at what's happening, in fact, I read an article just today that said by the end of the year, we could be looking at double digit inflation. I don't think it's, it's been, you got to go back to Jimmy Carter, I think, to find it uh, that high. Just uh, and it's just your opinion is: Do you think this is deliberate? Do you think the the they're they're trying to inflate away this debt? I don't think they're trying to inflate it away. But the speaker just talked a moment ago, and as uh, same thing I observed coming down here today is that there's nowhere in North Carolina that you can go to that doesn't have help wanted signs. Yeah, and you know, inflation is the cost of money, the cost of labor, and the cost of, of material. And we all know what's happening: the cost of air conditioning units and everything else at Lowe's hardware. We all know what's happening, the cost of labor. You can't get it even at any cost. And the only thing holding it down right now is the cost of, of money. And the cost of money is near zero. And I suspect that's getting ready to change. By the way, before I let you go, I, I do want to just say it, it's good to have you here. You had a pretty rough battle with COVID, didn't you? I did. Uh, last March, uh, I'm now told I had about a 20% chance of living. Uh, with COVID before people really knew what to do. Uh, I was one of the first people anybody ever heard of who had it, much less be hospital with, hospitalized with it or in intensive care with it. And uh, when you're in given, being given eight units of oxygen while, and your blood ox level is 82, Dr. Murphy will tell you you're not in a good situation. And uh, But for the grace of God and some caretakers uh, who squoze my hand and prayed with me, uh, I'm here with you today. And it's what Muhammad Ali always says, uh, don't count the days, but make every day count. Yeah. And that's what I continue to do as the keeper of the public purse on behalf of those that teach, protect, and serve. And glad to be with all of you today. And thank you for informing the people of this area, not just affirming what they already feel about a subject. And another valuable reason to listen to your show is for them to go to nccash.com and punch up their name, their maiden name, their kids' names, their business name, their there's a hundred rotary clubs that have things at nccash.com. Well, what's the total? You said you told me in the hallway. What was the total amount in there? Nine hundred twelve million. You're nine hundred twelve yes. million. <laughs> and it's not a gimmick. It, the the money got there because somebody mailed you a check that either you didn't get or you didn't cash. Wow. And this could be a rent deposit, the last paycheck. Uh, we just uh, gave twenty nine thousand dollars to a person who had given his goddaughter a hundred dollars worth of Paramount stock forty years ago. And wrote on the stock certificate, because you'll be a star one day. Paramount stock was bought up by Coca-Cola and it split 10 for, 10 for one. So that $100 that he gave his goddaughter is now worth $29,000. Wow. A fellow piece, a CPA is here. Got a question for you. Well, uh, a good example of that. It's, say, for instance, I look up and, and see my dad's name. He's passed away 15 years ago. And, um, and of course, his estate's long been settled. What's the process of that as far as investigating that? Well, uh, thank you for asking. Sorry for your loss. Uh, people can go to nccash.com. If your last name's Falwell, there's not, we've been here all of our lives. I mean, but there's not many Falwell, so you don't even have to put it in a city. 
but it'll tell you, if it's under $50, it'll tell you the amount. And the reason is it's public record. We gave $600,000 last year to a lady who was the beneficiary of a life insurance policy. No one had ever told her. So if it's over 50, we don't tell you because property finders will send you a letter and say, give us a 20% commission to collect this. Mm -hmm. There's no charge to go to nccash.com or to claim. But to specific to your question, uh, people can reach out and figure out uh, if it's how much over $50 it is. And then if it's worth it, they can go to the clerk of courts who we're trying to work with to simplify this very process. And we're trying to work with them, uh, with the clerk of courts, so that if there's a state needs to be open, you don't take all the money to NC Cash just to pay the estate opening fees. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call you Dr. Falwell. Well, my initials, <laughs> my initials are DR, but you got another doctor getting ready to come up on the stage here in a minute. So, so that DR. website again is NC? NCCash.com. Now, com. the official word is the Escheats Division, but I used right. to stutter, and I'm advised not to use that word on the radio because it could come out incorrectly. Yeah. We're going to take another time out. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dr. Greg Murphy, Congressman Greg Murphy, and uh, get a viewpoint of what's going on up in Washington, D.C. Republican Party versus the Democrat Party. Talking about what matters. It's the Republican Party versus an organized crime syndicate. On Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lamprecht with more news and views. Welcome back in, everyone. Tom Lamprecht, Benny Hardy, Clark Willis, and uh, we are coming to you live from the North Carolina Republican State Convention where uh, things are going to be hopping here over the next 24 hours. Donald Trump will be speaking tomorrow night. He'll be the keynote speaker. Um, Christy Nome will be coming in from South Dakota. If she can find a place to stay tonight, apparently they uh, run out of hotel rooms. And uh, she'll be speaking at the luncheon tomorrow. Right now, we are happy to be joined with uh, Greg Murphy, Dr. Greg Murphy, Congressman Greg Murphy. Which do you prefer, doctor or congressman? Uh, it's funny, Tom. My my office staff asked me that when I first came in. They said, which should I prefer? And I said, let's just look at um, approval ratings. You know, number one <laughs> is nurses. Number two and three are doctor, pharmacists, and bottom at the bottom. Is <laughs> That's a good point. So they turn around and they say, yes, Dr. Murphy. So, I figure I've been a, a physician a lot longer than I. There, there's a lot of truth to that, <laughs> I, for sure. For sure. A doctor has a little bit more nobility, probably spent longer time Oh, my trying gosh. to get your doctorate than your uh, than your yeah more, more than campaigning. Yeah. So, boy, speaking of doctor though, um, this whole thing with the uh, Wuhan virus and the Biden administration coming in and basically shutting down what Donald Trump started in the investigation of where did this virus start from, and you know now we're looking at uh, Dr. Fauci as if he's divine and he can do no wrong um we it it appears to me that the democrats are just going to try to block any investigation uh thank goodness for uh rand paul Mm -hmm. who is uh, led the charge on this where do you see this going i mean with the dems in charge we got a tie in the senate the uh, nancy and pelosi and the dems are in charge of the house i i think that will change and 18 months, but uh, where do you think, are we going to get anywhere until the majority in the House changes? Well, Tom, you know, I, I 
put on my physician's hat um, last January, and I, I read a lot of medical literature. I just uh, I just read a lot, and I read, and I, I I can't remember if it was in the British Journal of Medicine or if it was in Lancet um, the the first week in February. I read an article about uh, what was this going year on. or a year ago? last year okay. last year, yeah. and I picked up the phone, and it concerned me enough. I picked up a phone, and I, I know a friend who's the head of infectious disease at the University of Nebraska, where the uh, Ebola unit. And I said, James, is this for real? What's going on? And he said, are you sitting down? And I said, yeah. And so he told me, he says, this is for real. You know, this is what's going to happen if we do this, this, and this, and this. And so obviously that's what happened. But that said, and I said this then, and I'll say it again, and I've said it, that there is no way that you will ever convince me that that virus did not come out of that lab. It's just too many coincidences. And we knew that they were weaponizing and doing weaponizing research in biological weapons. The United States said we're going to back off. We're the only, you know, major power that did that. And so you'll never convince me that otherwise. Well, Fauci put out, no, no, no. And so everybody followed his gospel. Well, now that's eroded basically to bone. Um, and how much he knew, what he knew, and when he knew is the real question. Did he do something nefariously? I, I don't think he did something nefariously. But I do think he was not transparent. I do think he was not uh, forthcoming. And he's been, you know, I'm, part, I'm the vice chair of the doctor's caucus uh, in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. And we affectionately call him Dr. Inconsistent because one day it's one thing, one day it's another thing. And uh, are we ever going to get to the root of the problem? I think the answer to that is no, because the Chinese government will not allow it. They will not allow us true access into what's going on. And there's an article, and I, I looked for it the other day, of a gal who was in that lab. Um, and I read the article, and believe me, it was, it was pretty meaty stuff, that she went back and she showed um, – Genealog not genealogically, but she showed structurally DNA why this was the case, why this was not something that came out of nature. And um, it's a, it was above my, my chemical head, but I, I believe it was. I believe it was constructed. Now, did it come out on purpose? I don't think so. I don't think, even though the Chinese wouldn't care if they lost 100 million people, um, I don't think they did that. I think it came out accidentally. But it was obviously a big cover-up attempt. Right. They, they shut down flights in their own country. It took, Ron, it, it took uh, Donald Trump on the 29th of January to shut down flights internationally. Of course, Biden called him a xenophobe at right. the time. Right, he was vilified. Right. Yeah, that. and so it's the right thing. He did the right thing. And as time goes back, I think history will show us that uh, Donald Trump, despite you know his personality at times when some people have a problem with that, was doing the right thing in this. Yeah. Um, and he followed Fauci. Fauci pretty much dictated what he did. And so, but it was right. Uh, it's right when Biden does what Fauci does, but it was wrong when Trump did it. Yeah. And so are we ever going to get to the bottom uh, to answer your question? I think it's going to be highly doubtful. As, as you look at what the Biden administration is doing, changing gears here a little bit, um, apparently they've got a printing press that prints up $1,000 bills up there and $10,000 bills. I, I've just, it's, it's mind boggling how, they are wanting to give away money at faster than we can borrow it. Uh, I mean, the, <laughs> it, it is, is mind boggling. It's disappointing. It's going to cause hyperinflation. I'm not an economist, but Dale Falwell was just here and he, you know, he's looking at it as, yeah, we're going to have hyperinflation for and when I say hyper double digit. Yeah. Uh, but there's doesn't seem to be any desire amongst the Democrats to uh, even consider reining this in. Um, they, you know, when I think things have gotten crazy enough and that they can't get any more insane, the Democrats just do something next that's that way. And it's just uh, they have no concept of fiscal responsibility. And, yes, we passed a, 
a, a bipartisan, you know, $3 trillion rescue package. And we did that, I believe, the right reason to, to stabilize this nation. But what they've done ever since he's come in office is unconscionable. Because it's, we talk about our children and our grandchildren. Well, we now have to start talking about our, our great-grandchildren. Yeah. And, you know, as Ross Perot said, the great sucking sound when NAFTA came through, yeah. there's the great sucking sound of the future of our great-grandchildren yeah. and our grandchildren. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, until we gain the House back in 2022, um, all this nonsense that the Democrats are putting out, so divisive, the critical race theory, the nonsense that comes out of that, and all these other things where we're not being equitable, well, that's another term for Marxism, okay? It's just very, let's be very plain and simple and cut through to the truth to it. There's equality in this company and opportunity. If you want it, you can do it. Some people have to want it more. There's no doubt about that. There, there are barriers in certain certain in, in, uh, types of people in certain demographics, without a doubt. But this is the best country on earth. They're teaching our kids to hate our country. Yeah. And they're teaching the kids to hate the future of our country, and they want to change that. And God forbid, you know, I, I didn't do this. I didn't come out of being, you know, a, a full-time surgeon, which I love to do, to just keep my hands tied. I came out to make a difference, and that's what we're trying to do. It's got to be frustrating, though. I mean, you, you're, you're making a difference in Eastern North Carolina, and I've said to you before, really deeply appreciate what you're doing, what you're standing for, but do you you got to feel at times, am I banging my head against the wall? Um, Tom, I will tell you, uh, in all transparency, the answer is yes. You know, I have a surgical mindset. We see a problem, we diagnose a way to fix it, we do it, we implement it, we move on and go on to the next problem. And that's just not the way it is in Congress, and it's not the way it is in the minority. And I will tell you, you know, my days are long. I start around, you know, maybe five in the morning or so. And then um, I'll, sometimes I'll be sitting in my office at 10, 30, 11 at night. And I'll, I'll look out and I'll go, what, what, what the hell, honestly, uh, pardon my French, what the hell am I doing here? Spinning yeah, my wheels. Yeah. And I have to think about our children, our yeah. grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. Yeah. Well, that's why we do this program. Um, I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a drop in the bucket, but a lot of drops are, you know, are put together. That's to, exactly to right. We something. have to care about the future of this nation. And we have to draw a line in the sand and say, no, we're not going to do this anymore. Because who's benefiting now? The Chinese, the Russians, the North Koreans. They're benefiting from our internal division. There was an article out just today talking about how there have now been new emails revealed that Hunter Biden uh, from, I guess it was from his laptop, was it, Benny? Uh, Anyway, they've they've discovered new new emails that there is a nexus between um, Hunter Biden, Burisma, and... uh, making overtures to the Ukrainian government that uh, we can get you, you know, uh, a special deal with Hillary Clinton thinking she was going to be the next president. You know, we'll give you access to the, to the Hillary Clinton. Uh, is, is that, do you, you think that's going to go anywhere uh, or is that, is that dead? Uh, you know, Tom, I think this is the most fraudulent um, party that we've ever seen. Um, you know, no, sometimes the Republican Party's done some bad things. Right. Yeah, no, no doubt. We're human. Right. But this is the most fraudulent party. You look at what Hunter Biden's done. You look at what Hillary's done and gotten away with literally with, you know, something some people would say literally with murder. But is it going to be able to go anywhere? Um, this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard if Pelosi controls the House. And if, God forbid, Schumer controls the Senate. This is why that 2022 seat, uh, Richard Burr's seat, is so critical yeah. that we keep that as a Republican. And, you know, Tom, we have to turn to how you win statewide and nationwide elections. That's with unaffiliates uh, who generally tend to be conservative. Right. But we have to show them the, the folly of their ways when they voted for Democrats in the past. And I think Biden and the administration have overplayed their hand. 
They've overplanned oh, their hand. Time. And I, I think, I pray that we're able to be rational enough that we show people that. Um, you know, uh, Republicans vote rationally, I think. I think Democrats vote, vote emotionally. And elections yeah, tend to be emotional things. We have to have to appeal to their rational sense, but also show the emotion of what they're doing to this country. Yeah. Well said. If uh, you have an opportunity to uh, uh, continue on, uh, please do, uh, and don't give up. Don't don't stop banging your head against that wall. Uh, we we need some head bangers up there. <laughs> well, I, I'm not a quitter. I mean, I would have never made it through the years of medical school and surgical residency and the like. If I, but I but I'm a goal. Uh, I'm a goal oriented person, and I know what the goal is. And um, anybody knows me, they know that I will do whatever it takes to. Uh, within moral rights to do to achieve that goal when you look at your colleagues on the other side of the aisle do the majority of them truly believe and this is an opinion question yeah truly believe uh what the democratic party is putting forth or are they are they useful idiots or are they actually uh, a part of the problem no i and you know Tom, that's a very that's i think that's a very insightful question i was on an elevator um i don't know four or five months ago with two democrats who i really didn't know older ones and they said we're just we're in a room with we're the only adults in the room no we have on both sides on both sides of this political spectrum now um people that are sensationalists that want to make it about screaming want to make it about you know me and you know i'm this that and the other stuff and unfortunately the media is they're the media darlings Right. Um, they're rather they're, they're all about the personality rather than the policy. We have to get back to the policy. Um, you know, we have screamers on our side that, uh, you know, are not about making good policy. That's why I'm in politics. I'm not in here for personality. I want to be famous to my three children. That's it. I want to make sure that they have a future and that we're able actually to put forth a plan that they have a good future and just an opportunity like you and I had. Right. You know, we grew up, I believe, in good times. Right. Um, but if you follow the Democrats' plan right now, we're on a way towards war, um, not only civil, but international and some other ways. And um, it's tragic for our country. But we have to stop listening to the screamers, and I say that on both sides, but actually appeal to good people that have common sense and rational thought. Well said. Well said. Congressman Murphy, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate great, it. Have great. a great convention. Thank you for the it's honor. It's nice to be uh, hosting here in Greenville. Isn't it great? Yeah. You know, um, I said today when we started out, I said it's nice to actually see everybody's full face. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> you know, I've gotten to the point, and I can just say this doctor's viewpoint. Um, July 1st, I really think we ought to pull the masks off. I, I think, or, or pull the scab off. You've had, if you've had, if you've gotten vaccinated, great. If you've chosen not to, that's your that's your right. That that's your right. The, but the you know what? Mantra, yeah. We need to move on. Yeah, we need to move on. Thank we you. can't continue to live in fear. Um, this is not going to go away on its own. But you've you've made personal decisions and uh, it's time. It's time to move on. By the way, uh, uh, Speaker Moore was mentioning that that they have passed um, uh, on a state level the the ban on the vaccine that you, you can't be vaccine passport. Yeah. You, yeah. You can't have a passport that, that you've got to prove that I've had a vaccine in order to do certain things. Yeah. Have the Republicans considered that? On a you mean on, on the full federal level? No. I mean, there's been talk about it. The, the problem is Pelosi won't ever take it yeah. up. Yeah. She'll never take it up. Do I think that's right? No. Um, you know, we don't do it for having a flu vaccine. And yes, this is a more virulent and more, much more dangerous vaccine in certain populations. Um, do we need to get to that point? No. 
And, you know, the crazy thing is over in the Senate, they don't have to wear a mask. But on the other side of the, the building, um, we have to wear one for Pelosi. So um, it's kind of crazy because, you know, well, you don't have to look at her face. Yeah, because that's well. Then we all turn to stone. We know what Medusa did, but that's a whole different thing. So, but um, um, yeah, it's good that it's half covered up. That's kind of that's kind of bad. But I mean, you know, reality is reality. So anyway, your secret's good with us. It's all good. We're gonna take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Great, thank you. I won't give up the ship. Talking about what matters. This country is too great to throw over to communism. I love it. Here's Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, Benny Hardy, Tom Lamprecht, and uh, our special guest right now at the North Carolina State Republican Convention is our Lieutenant Governor, Mark Robinson. Mark, welcome in. I'm going to let you get right on top of that mic. And um, hey, I got to tell you, you have never turned us down. We, every time we call you up and say, hey, can we get you on the air or can you come by the studio? You've always said yes. That yep. is a rare thing. Well, Republicans are better than Democrats, I'm sure. But oh, uh, sure. but you're the best of the best as far as showing up. You'll appreciate it. Yes, sir. Well, we, you know, it's, it's all about uh, the folks out there. We want to try to get this message out as much as we can. That's the key behind it. Did you ever think when you got up and made that speech in Greensboro about the gun show that this, that would lead to this. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, that night I had absolutely no idea what God had in store that night, but you know, here I am. So it's a great story. You know, it's uh, one of those stories that we always say is, you know, it's only happened in America and it can only happen with God. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what we see happening. I've been doing this program hard to believe 12, 13 years now. And I said from the get go, the conservative movement will really have legs. We'll know it has arrived when we see black Americans realize that conservative values are uh, uh, what what needs to be embraced. It doesn't matter what your race, your background is, whether what you're, you know, male, female, black, white, Indian. The conservative values are what makes sense. Right. Talk to me about the. the more and more we're seeing African-Americans, black Americans saying, you know what, I'm giving up on the Democratic Party. I realize that uh, the conservative movement is is where my values are. Right. Well, one thing we're lot, lot, uh, beginning to see a lot of is the fact that uh, a lot of black Americans are making the connection between the past and the present. And when I say that, what I mean is this. If you look back in the past, when black Americans were voting Republican, when they were living by conservative principles, when they were, you know, living by those ideologies. In the worst times in this country, when things were really bad, really were unjust and unfair for black Americans, they were uh, succeeding at the highest level still. Uh, their neighborhoods were together. Uh, their marriage rate was 75%. Uh, two parents in the house. Uh, Actually, uh, the, the the intact family was stronger in the absolutely. black community than it was in the white absolutely. community. Uh, they were building schools and churches and homes and banks and all of those things. Uh, I like to say it like this. In the 1960s, when they embraced the Great Society program and the, and the machinations of LBJ, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, for to a large extent, uh, the power was given away. And this ideology of victimization started to arise, this victim mentality. The more we see black Americans begin to realize that they've been victorious in this country instead of victims in this country, the more of them you're going to see coming over to the conservative side. 
And and I know you've taken a strong stance against critical race theory, the social justice garbage that we see. It's, it's just so prevalent in the public schools across this country. It's 180 degrees uh, uh, against what you were just talking about. It Absolutely. is promoting victimization. Absolutely. And see, that's the problem. We have made such great strides in this country. We've come such a long way. You know, it hadn't been that long ago in this country that we we had slaves on our shores. Yeah. Slavery was a part of this nation not right. too long ago. Great, great and grandfather. We have, right, we have overcome that in such a short period of time. You look at the way black Americans have succeeded at the highest levels of government, entertainment, business, medicine, all of those things. But now we've reached a point where we work together, we worship together, uh, we sit down and we break bread together, we go out and we shop and do all these things together. And now we see these people who want to bring in programs that are not going to take us forward, but going to move us backwards, not going to bring us together, but div divide us. And then we just can't allow that. We make absolutely too much progress to go backwards. You started the Facts Tax Task Force, and that is really designed for the education of our kids and give students and parents especially a chance to speak up, speak out, have a voice. Right. What kind of response are you getting on we that? Have, we've got a great, uh, got, gotten a great response. I have a great team of people in the office. They have gone through a lot of that information, and we are ready, uh, just about ready to present that uh, to the public. And let folks know what we found uh, while while we're doing this. And it's, it's not once we do that, it's not going to be over. This is just the beginning of the fight to wrench our schools away from the leftists who are trying to take control of it. And in some places have taken control of it. I've said this time and time again, the most one of the most important things that we have to do as conservatives is fight to take our schools away from these leftists who have used it for their own personal playgrounds for so many years. This is just the beginning of the fight. This is just a, a statement to, to, to let people know that this is happening. But we got a lot of work to do in that area. Just today, the Georgia State Board of Education voted 11 to 2 to uh, make sure that critical race theory is not taught in the public school system. We were talking to uh, Speaker Moore uh, earlier in the hour, and they have passed legislation. I don't think he said that was veto proof. But they have passed legislation in the state of North Carolina. Yes. Um, I, I'm assuming that the, our governor is probably going to veto that. I would imagine that he would. I, of course, I would hope that he wouldn't, but uh, I can't see him not doing it. Uh, I hate to say this, but uh, critical race theories, theory and the things that surround that are right up his alley. Uh, that's how he panders to folks. Uh, that's his bread and butter. Uh, I'm not sure whether or not he believes in it or not, but he certainly, I know he certainly believes it's going to be something that's going to help him to continue to is succeed. The wind, is the wind falling out of the sails of that rhetoric? Because, I mean, you're right. The Democrats have used that for decades. Yes. Uh, is it starting to sound a little old? It is. It is. When you see the, hear the things like Joe Biden was just saying, uh, you know, black Americans have great ideas, but unfortunately they don't have accountants and, and bankers lawyers. and yeah, lawyers. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's the same old Pandering. narrative over and over yeah. again that you're too weak. You're too stupid. You need my you help. You can't get a voter ID. Right. We call, I call it paternal racism. And that's exactly what it is. The paternal racism we saw from LBJ, is the same kind of paternal racism we're seeing from the Biden administration right now. And quite frankly, it's disgusting. And a lot of people are beginning to see it. Yeah. Governor Robinson. Uh, Governor Robinson. Well, Lieutenant Governor <laughs> Robinson, but uh, I like Governor better. <laughs> but uh, 
when you listen to the Democrat political pundits on television, you always hear, hey, the Republican Party is just full of a bunch of old white guys. But as I walk on this floor, I see diversity in youth, diversity in the way people look. But what else in your mind can the Republican Party do more to reach out to black and brown America and to, to youth and to others um, and do a better job of reaching out and reaching these people and get them to understand that, hey, the conservative values is your family values? Right. What, what more can the Republican Party do? I've said this time and time again. I think the main thing the Republican Party can do is stop letting other people tell a story. Stop letting CNN tell the, the nation who we are and the world who we are. We need to tell our story. Our story is a story of fighting for freedom at every turn. It was the Republican Party that fought against slavery. It's the Republican Party that's standing up against abortion. It's the Republican Party that stood up to put this nation back together for its sovereignty during the Civil War. It's this. It's the Republican Party now that's standing up to make sure our border is secure so we can maintain our national sovereignty. It was the Republican Party that fought to give women the right to vote. It is the Republican Party now that's standing up for, the, for integrity in our voting laws and to make sure that our votes are secure and legal and, and ethical. Uh, the Republican Party has always been the party of freedom and equality, and it, 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 it is now. We have not changed. We are the exact same as we were at our inception. We fight for the republic, we fight for the constitution, and we fight for freedom for everybody. Did you guys record that? Because that's the message, I yeah, believe. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Do you write your own stuff? I don't write anything. <laughs> I, 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 very, I, I very rarely write anything. I well, don't. you're speaking tonight. I, I don't, you do yes. know that, you're right? You're yes, speaking yes, at the dinner yes, tonight. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. yes sir. Um, is, is it uh, off the top of your head? I it's, mean, you, you got you to gotta be contemplating what you're going to say because just, you're a very articulate man. It's just in there. <laughs> you just got to shake them there. and it comes out. That's right. That's right. Uh, like a salt shaker. Speak from the heart. That's so right. we, we got about a minute left. Um, What's the future hold for Mark Robbins? I know a lot of people were pulling at your, uh, tugging at your coattails, hoping you'd run for the U.S. Senate. Right, and, right. and I think you wisely said not, not right. yet. Um, are, you, are you happy with, as being the lieutenant governor? I am. I am. have a duty to fulfill in this office. We need to fulfill that duty before we move on to something else. Wouldn't have, would not have been right to abandon this duty and, and to, to, to seek an office just because, you know, you can. Right. Because it looks like you can. Right. Uh, it's not about opportunity. It's about doing the right thing. So we decided to stay put, do our work here, and do the work we need to do for the people of North Carolina. As far as what what uh, is in store for me, I I don't write the orders. I just carry them out. So, <laughs> Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, thanks for stopping by. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Listen, we got to close things out here. We uh, do appreciate the good folks at the North Carolina State Convention, Republican Party Convention, for allowing us to uh, invade their territory. It's been a good program, Benny. Yeah, good. We got to run. We'll see you on Monday. Bye bye, everybody. <laughs>